Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm back. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Uh, a lot of developments uh, within the United States, a lot of topics to cover from the uh, Senate acquittal of the president to uh, the voting reports of Iowa to uh, Gail King and some business news. It's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned. So let's get into it. So uh, yesterday uh, it was announced that uh, President Trump has been acquitted of the two uh, charges that were brought against him in the Senate trial, the impeachment Senate trial. Now, whether you are a pro-Trumper or not, um, no president has ever been impeached in the Senate. I personally didn't see this one going through. Regardless of political stance and ideology, and and not I am not <laughs> a pro Trumper, but the the problem there there were a few things that I think happened within the um, Senate impeachment. The first thing, and I have to agree with uh, Senator, uh, not Mitch McConnell. Oh my God, uh, out of Utah, uh, my man Mitt Romney. Mitt stated he, he just wished that due diligence happened, that uh, the trial proceedings would allow the testimonies of Bolton and others to come forth, and that all the evidence could be presented. And he said he voted uh, with his conscience, and I, I applaud Mitt Romney uh, for being the uh, voice of truth. I, I think that when there is such... Uh, an indictment when there's such gravity at stake, you have to do, you have to allow due diligence, and you have to allow things to take course, and you have to present all sides, anything that could tip or not tip, any validated, substantial piece that has an effect on the outcome. I believe failure to do so is a crime. Um, you know, I, I think. It would have persuaded some, maybe one or two other, you know, uh, Republican senators to vote like Mitt Romney by not allowing that and having just basically a cut dry report off of, you know, the tapings. He, he wasn't going to get um, he wasn't going to get impeached during that. So and, and, and granted, it's it's hard. And, and if you vote, if if you're a senator, you think, do I feel like you know, creating a first <laughs> and a first in a bad way and basically removing a president from office during an economic prosperous time, uh, during an escalated uh, conflict time, would that be advantageous to the advancement of the United States? And that's another issue. Uh, the problem is in, a, in adult life, there's very few right Wrong. What I mean by right, wrong, I don't mean like if something is right or morally correct or ethically correct. I mean, there's a lot of gray. Uh, there's a lot of gray in almost every decision, it seems like. It's not cut and dry. It's not, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase, black and white. It's not, uh, even that seems uh, traditionally discriminatory, that whole phrase. Uh, it, but it's not linear. You know, uh, life is complex, decisions have complexities. And trying to decide on 
the lesser of the two evils is, is pretty much the name of the game once you get past 18, right? Uh, so I, I do applaud the Senate or, or at least our judicial, uh, our political system for at least allowing uh, the proper proceedings to take forth regardless of how you wanted the outcome to occur. The process has been completed. So I think from this, uh, we pray and we move on and we allow ourselves to always esteem to a higher virtue and higher integrity. And that's in everything Uh, from, you know, I think the focus from the left is, you know, 2020. If you couldn't beat them on this, couldn't beat them on the Mueller report, couldn't beat them on the impeachment, the obstruction of justice. If you can't beat them in the polls, you know, that's, you know. The, the 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 focus now has to be strategy and uh, cohesion and collective groupings uh, and really uh, pushing a broader perspective. And if you cannot do that, uh, then what happened will happen in November. So staying in the same wave as political updates, in Iowa, the Iowa caucus um, voting occurred this week. And... A winner has been announced, but not a clear. I think Pete Buttigieg is up by 0.1%. Um, Dar Tenoro Clark, Ali Vitali, and Von Hilliard go on to write that partial results from Monday night's caucus after lengthy delay is caused by coding issues with an app that was used to report the data. The partial results which come from the state's 99 counties, uh, but are inclusive, show former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, an independent from Vermont, uh, at the front of the pack. Although those positions may not hold when all the votes are eventually counted, the results also show former Vice President Joe Biden, the national frontrunner, training the leaders. Uh, So the new data that has been released Pretty much shows the same exact uh, um, <clears throat> occurrence with Pete slightly, and I do mean marginally, not even a full percentage point, not even half of a percentage point that almost makes you want to throw into a re- or go into a recount. Uh, Troy Price goes on to state that the party chairman said that the partial results represented 62% of the 99 counties. Price has called the issues surrounding Monday night's contest unacceptable. The reporting of the results and circumstances. Surrounding the 2020 Iowa Democratic Caucus were unacceptable. Yes, it was a coding issue. Yes, it was a technology failure. But I think it also shows that the left really doesn't know it's what it wants. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, so the moderate Biden didn't do well in Iowa. Uh, Bernie who is probably projected to win. It seems like he's about to come in second, ultimately. Uh, Surprising surge of Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg as the winner. And Elizabeth Warren did not, you know, surpass uh, the prior three. I don't know, you know, if polling data should be even considered anymore. I, I think there is... What I mean by confusion there is subgroups within parties and you're seeing the representation of the subgroup that dominates a specific area uh the problem is if it's by subgroups 
you'll have uh, extremism really on both sides dominating the election instead of a balance. Politics should always be about balance, whether it's right or left. It should never be, you know, curving, you know, diagonal slant, you know, uh, up or down. The, The problem with that is that you start misrepresenting a lot of individuals because you start having what is called majority minorities or minority majorities, not in the sense of demographic, psychographic data, in the sense of ideological interpretation. Um, And the cluster of it, you know, starts warring against what might be best for the country as a whole. Um, I personally think that uh, Mayor Pete and Senator Sanders uh, are fine individuals. Definitely two candidates that I would consider uh, are, or or should I say, is is the is the Democratic Party truly represented by uh, Mayor Pete and, and Senator Sanders? Uh, one could make a valid case for that. Some couldn't make a valid case that uh, Senator uh, Warren actually is uh, what is holding the Democratic Party up. Another could say that uh, Vice President Joe is the balance of them all, and it's kind of a return to the status quo. And one could say that, you know, either Mike Bloomberg or Andrew Yang or, you know, probably being the most idealistic individuals uh, that could have an immediate impact. We'll, we'll see. You have the New, the new Hampshire uh, caucus uh, voting, and we're, you know, waiting for those results. Um, and then it's from there on, it just keeps, you know, going, going and going. And then as we move closer, obviously to November, we'll actually have the primary, uh, the front runner that will be in the general election, uh, facing off against president Trump. So saw an interesting interview. So Gail King, uh, interviewed former WNBA player, hall of famer, superstar legend, one of my favorite basketball players, not just in the WNBA, but period, Lisa Leslie, about Kobe Bryant's impact. In the interview, um, like any interviewer, obviously you want to ask, you know, the secondary, you know, tertiary level questions to really paint a picture of the topic. Uh, Where she went wrong is not in, uh, not in application, but in intent. And what I mean by that. So, as we all know, the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, unexpected, uh, him and his daughter and the seven other passengers on a helicopter is tragic. Um, no words can uh, really to detail the event and, and really uh, bring true light. Uh, all of us are hurt by it. Nobody wants to see anybody harmed or, you know, passing away, and especially in that manner. And, and then a, an individual like Kobe who affected, possibly affected so many people, and, and basically a rising star in Gianna, uh, what a life just, you know, really cut short in our hearts and our prayers and, you know, makes you just want to, you know, hug and, and really be true to the relationships that are in your life and, and, and love people and cherish every moment. Uh, yes, uh, in the interview, Gail brought up an incident that happened that has been widely covered that uh, has, is a part of his story. That's fine. Uh, 
and nobody's perfect and I'm not excusing any action or inaction or whatever happened. Uh, the witness did not want to go to trial. The thing was set out of court. And uh, basically, you know, it, people moved on from that uh, incident. I accept, you know, the truth of that individual and the truth of Kobe Bryant. And I, my prayer is that there was peace and resolve. I think that the timing, and this is why I said the intent, when somebody has just passed, and especially in a manner like that, it probably isn't appropriate to discuss flaws. Because to say that somebody is flawed is to say that they're human. Uh, and then to dig the knife that Lisa Leslie had to say, Kobe never... You know, when we were in the club together, he never let, you know, had me talk to another girl. And basically, she has to now defend his integrity. Says, what aim were you getting at? And I get it. Look, interviews, you're trying to get ratings. You're trying to get likes, comments. You want to be mentioned. You just you just made my podcast, and I don't even know you. You know, so um, I get it. it. It's shock factor. But we have to get to a point in society that entertainment, business, or whatever has to be beyond shock value. Because no truth was given out of that whole line of questioning. You didn't help um, any participants, anybody that was associated with that case. You didn't do anything but make yourself look bad because it was not a, a moment of, you know, let's make sure we never forget. No, it was a moment of I'm looking for, you know, the next R. Kelly interview. I'm looking for ratings. I'm looking for SNL to do a skit. And that's, and it honestly, it was distasteful. Um, I think Gail King is an amazing talent, an amazing individual. She's done great work. But I think this is one of her screw-ups. Everybody gets one. Everybody has a fumble in life, in their profession. And to me, this was a fumble uh, and a, a safety at that. The coronavirus, uh, the global death toll has risen uh, to 490 confirmed cases, uh, reaching more... Uh, to 24,000 affected individuals in mainland China. The coronavirus has killed one of Hong Kong's medical workers. Um, the Chinese president has stated that the country is in the middle of a people's war. Japan has quarantined cruise ships after former guests have tested positive for the virus. As terrible outbreaks like this and, and illness and tragedy and devastation uh, I think it should remind us all, A, how lucky we are, how blessed we are, and that we have a responsibility to not only cherish every moment, but to dedicate ourselves to the bettering of or the betterment of society as a whole. Um, any little thing can take us out. Uh, the human experience is fragile at best. Fragility is probably synonymous with one's existence. And it's up to us to make sure that we have dedicated our time and our resources to combat things like that and to lessen the impact. Uh, when I read reports like this uh, and how it's affecting individuals and the devastation that's carrying and caused and how it's negatively impacting business, there's nothing to glorify over. There's nothing that one should relish. The only thing that comes to mind is how can we stop this from ever happening again? And I believe that it is the job of science, it is the job of individuals, it is the job of faith to partner 
uh, and make sure that plans are in place, that there is a systemic institution that will make sure that all individuals can receive relief, can receive help, that sickness can be eradicated from the human lexicon. Uh, and maybe that's far-fetched, maybe that's, you know, utopianism, maybe that's, you know, other world, Elysium, uh, imaginatory, you know, however you want to phrase it. But I do think we as human beings possess the ability and the capabilities to lessen the impact. We don't do anything. I think our job and our mandate is to lessen the negative impact of everything upon any and all things. Charges uh, are being dropped against California surgeon and his girlfriend after the Orange County District Attorney announced that prosecutors have found no evidence in the pair who allegedly drugged and sexually assaulted women. Dr. Grant Robichaux was charged in 2018 with assaulting a total of seven women with his girlfriend, Sarissa Riley, who was charged as an accomplice in at least five of the cases, both Robichaux and Riley pleaded not guilty in 2018 and denied the accusations of non-consensual sex. Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer said his team found no evidence of any assaults by the couple, despite the county's former prosecutor insisting a year and a half ago that he sees thousands of videos and could, and there could be no more than a thousand victims. Uh, Rakakis has stated in a statement on NBC Los Angeles. Uh, that the courage of the women that he wanted to applaud and 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 celebrate the courage of the women who came forward. Any prosecutor should think long and hard before dismissing such a case where multiple women have independently come forward. I just hope they're not being sold down the river of some twisted political motive. He also goes on to say that the case was brought to his attention 2018 after it was initially investigated and that dozens of complaints came forward with allegations of drugging, sexual assault after media attention. I, I agree. Uh, definitely, you want to applaud and, and hail and celebrate the courage of these women uh, who came forward and, and gave uh, true, honest reporting and 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 truth. Um, it's when cases like this happens. It's so hard because it's it hurts so bad. You wouldn't want anybody to get mistreated, to be assaulted in any way, to uh, feel threatened, to be harmed. And then at the same time, you have to allow more than an accusation to bring conviction. You have to also protect the uh, dignity of an individual until the evidence has proved them guilty. Uh, so you're caught between the devil and the witch. And I think that's why um, cases like these are so gray and the outcome, it seems like it's never right, even when it's right, is because it feels like at the end of the day, everybody loses. You know, everybody loses, right? Like if, if the person is not convicted, then, you know, the accusers lose. If the accusers, you know, are, are uh, they win. Uh, and there's not substantial evidence or is all hearsay and is not proof, then the victim wins. And it's like it it doesn't feel like either we have given it enough attention or enough resource to dig down and really get, to me, the true verdict. I think because 
we're dealing with human emotion and experience and and because there's sometimes a long length before an individual comes forward and a lot of evidence can be lost uh, prior to that, it makes it difficult uh, to always have a cut, uh, clear and uh, cut and dry decision. But I think the United States, I think our judicial system has just to do a better job on, first of all, creating safe spaces. And what I mean by that, I don't mean like, you know, because I've, I've heard some comedians take it too far and, you know, other political commenters on, you know, we need bubbles, like not like a bubble, but opportunity zones or, 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 or groups dedicated so that truth can be exposed, whatever that truth is. And then the proper facilitation of how due process should go forward from that conversation, um, I think is the first step. And, uh I think in in cases like this, um, I think it just speaks louder to the inadequacies and the deficiencies within our judicial system because there are so many factors that have affected this case that have influenced this. And then, you know, you also don't want to assume guilt upon anyone because that would not be fair as well. Uh, So the protection of the innocence of the accused uh, until the evidence has proven further. Uh, and I think, and that's a hard thing to do, but that's what the system has to work on. It has to work on the balance of justice and mercy and when, ju- or justice and grace. And when justice and grace, I think is adequately applied, ultimately, it seems like salvation will come forth. This has been another episode of it is with this podcast. Look, connect with me on Instagram, CVMK33. Uh, once I put the link up and everything, the website is rolling. I would love to hear from you. Love to get your thoughts, content that you want me to cover, um, ideas. Love to just engage with the people that are listening. Um, but until next time, it's been an honor. Thanks.